Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Stay at Home Thad. in everybody welcome to stay at home thad pumped that you are back for the super bowl recap pod oh my goodness i can't believe that it is over but i i gotta start things off by saying one thing and that is i told you cooper cup mvp i'm telling you he and i we must have had the same vision The stay-at-home Thad curse is officially broken. I think I was off by four points for either team. I called the correct score so close, four points away from the perfect correct score call. call, Sorry, But I did call Cooper Cup. The Los Angeles Rams officially world champions after a thrilling ending in a 23-20 victory over the underdogs, or should I say undercats. Gross. The Cincinnati Bengals. Let's jump right into the recap. No fooling around here on the Stay at Home Thad podcast. That's not true. But man, the Rams offense, they came out in that first drive and look tentative. I mean, it makes sense. It's the Super Bowl, biggest game of their lives. It, it only is normal to come out with a little bit of those early game jitters. Guys are settling in. But I mean, you had that it was five play drive to start the game. Total of one yard after Matthew Stafford got sacked by Trey Hendrickson. Then you had Daryl Henderson. He had a run for loss. So it was like a, a one yard opening drive. And uh, not the start that you hoped for if you are an L.A. Rams fan. But then you had an aggressive Bengals offense coming out, going for it on that opening drive, fourth and one from the Rams' 49-yard line. I actually loved them going for it. I thought that was a great call, but you just didn't convert it. I, I really do like that trend of teams going for it on fourth down at any spot on the field. I know traditionalists will look at that and say, oh, that's, that's not how you play the game. But man, this is a different NFL. You've got analytics and you've got trends and you've got special data that you're taking in. And I thought it was a really great call early in the game. Would have liked to see them convert on that. But it was a nice play by Ernest Jones, linebacker for the Rams. He was in man coverage on Samaji Pirine. His route kind of brought Jones right into Burrow's pass path and Jones was able to knock it down he played really well I thought seven tackles one sack in the game but the Rams made them pay after that drive they scored on the next possession you had the Odell Beckham Jr. 17-yard touchdown reception at 622 of the first quarter he had some clear out routes by Van Jefferson and Bryson Hopkins on that play it looked like early on the Rams were kind of using that route combo a couple times where you'd have OBJ kind of running an under route and you had the other receivers on his side of the field just clearing all the defenders out and uh, and it worked perfectly it was a nice throw by Stafford on that play seven nothing Rams a few plays before on that 
scoring drive for the Rams. Stafford and Cup connected on a little check down play, went for 20 yards. Nice job by Cup picking up yards after the catch on that play. And that was just a little taste of what was to come later in the game. But at the end of the first quarter, the Bengals finally got on the board. You had Evan McPherson, Money McPherson, Shooter McPherson, probably the coolest kicker in the NFL. He got the Bengals on the board with a field goal. On the first play of that field goal drive, you had a 13-yard run by Mixon, and that was followed by the beautiful one-handed snag by Jamar Chase, 46 yards. That was that Ramsey versus Chase matchup that everybody was really hoping for. Honestly, Jalen Ramsey didn't really play all that well in this game. And really, he didn't have a great postseason overall. Uh, In the regular season, he was the PFF top corner. He had an 84.5 grade, number one out of all cornerbacks in the NFL. But in the playoffs, he finished with a 69.4 grading. And, you know, you remember the last touchdown pass of Tom Brady's career, maybe, was that long Evans pass that he beat Ramsey on. So, I mean, Ramsey, just after being so dominant all year, didn't really look himself. I don't know if we maybe hear about an injury or something like that, but whatever it was, he didn't look great. But after that one long pass to Chase, you had three straight incompletions for the Bengals, which wasn't really what they were trying to do for most most of the game. We'll talk about this in a minute, but they kind of tried to keep the run game going. But at that point, Rams were up 7-3. to three. On the ensuing drive, though, you had Cooper Cup scoring his first touchdown of the game. He got open so early on that play. If you watch, he's just so good at creating separation, but, but just reading what defenses give him. And Stafford playing as long as he has, able to see exactly what Cup was seeing. And they made the Bengals pay on that one as well. You had the snap on the extra point was dropped, so couldn't get the full seven points. But 13-3 to for the Rams in After that, that was the last points that they would score until six minutes left in the third quarter. So Rams kind of went cold after that. But you had Joe Mixon throwing the touchdown pass on the following possession for the Bengals. Found T. Higgins in the end zone, set up by the Bengals really committing to the run early in the game. Neither team generated anything in terms of a run game over the course of the game, but the Bengals really were committed to keeping that part of the game plan going and help them on that drive, obviously. But it didn't really impact the game outside of that play, I don't think. I mean, 20 team carries in the game for only 79 yards. Mixon had 15 carries for 72 in the game. So, you know, four yards, four yards per rush. That was better than the Rams' 1.9 yards per rush. They had 23 team carries for 43 yards. But if you watch the replay on that, Higgins' first touchdown, they toss the ball out to Mixon, and he makes it look like he's just running kind of that outside run play. And there's seven Rams defenders that bite on that toss out there. Just a great play call by Zach Taylor. Great execution by the Bengals' offense. And you would have liked to see, if you were a Bengals fan, the Bengals continue with some of that momentum because... At that point, it seemed like things offensively started to fall apart for the Rams. You had OBJ who went down with what I believe they're calling an ACL tear. I was legit sad seeing him go down on that injury. He was having such a great game, and whatever you 
say about him as a as a player, uh, or or maybe the off the field stuff? Um, can't deny that he's still a great talent, and I think his time in L.A. for the last part of the season proved that it was it was tough seeing him get that injury because I mean he, maybe Joe from our preview pod would have been correct with the OBJ MVP, but he wasn't. I was right with Cup, but neither here nor there. And up until that point, really, despite the offense kind of sputtering after OBJ went down, I I thought Matt Stafford played really well in that first half. He was patient. He didn't force anything. You know, he, he read pressure when it came, just looked comfortable and but you could see that when OBJ went down, that really seemed to impact him and really just the Rams' offense as a whole. Obviously, they were able to just double up Cooper Cup and obviously no run game, so didn't have to worry about that. And uh, the Rams really struggled after OBJ went out. I think the first injury really of the game, that or not injury, first um, mistake that Stafford made came at two minutes, 10 seconds left in the first half. He kind of got some pressure, scrambled, did a good job to avoid the pressure, and was looking downfield for Van Jefferson. To be honest, I don't think Jefferson made a great adjustment on the ball. I don't know if he kind of lost track of the game. I don't know if he was distracted because his wife was going to go into labor at any moment and ended up doing so in the game. That was pretty crazy. But Stafford threw it up there and... Van Jefferson just didn't really make a break for the ball, and you had Bates with the interception on that play. You had uh, the unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, Vernon Hargreaves running onto the fields, not in uniform, celebrating with the defense. Such a dumb penalty, man. And pushed the Bengals back. Bengals couldn't capitalize on that drive, and that was really kind of the beginning of the Rams' defense just showing up you had Leonard Floyd with the first sack of the game for the Rams coming right at the end of that first half Chris Collinsworth talked about it several times throughout the broadcast but they started using that overload package on defense where the Rams had three guys on the uh, would have been the Bengals right side of the offensive line I believe and just leaving one guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage and just couldn't defend everybody at once but So that was how the first half wrapped up. All of that set up what is for many, when it comes to the Super Bowl, the greatest part of the Super Bowl. It was the Pepsi halftime show. Dr. Dre, Snoop, Mary J, 50 Cent, Kendrick, Eminem, Anderson Pock on the drums. Wow, that was an amazing show. So well done. But despite the energy created from that wild halftime entertainment, the Rams couldn't channel it into any momentum to start the third quarter. And it opened with just disaster upon disaster. On the opening play, you had the Rams bringing the blitz from Burroughs left. He scrambled to his right, kind of stepped up into the pocket and Just chucked it up 75 yards to T. Higgins. Ramsey gets beat again, but there was a pretty blatant face mask that Higgins had on Ramsey. So we'll 
we'll cut Ramsey some slack on that one. But still, it turns out to be the longest touchdown given up by Ramsey in his career. And that put it at 17-13. No, sorry. 13-10 at that point. My apologies. I think I got my scores mixed up. But anyways, Bengals were up at that point, and it just got worse. I mean, yeah, I definitely got my scores mixed up. It was 17-13 at that point. But it, but the very next play, Stafford opening up the drive, looking for Ben Skoranek, who had a pretty rough performance in the playoffs also. Got his hand on it, couldn't bring the catch in, and it's intercepted by the Bengals again. But, again, couldn't put seven on the board, Cincinnati, and had to settle for a Evan McPherson field goal. He finished perfect in the postseason on field goals and point after attempts. But 20-13 to 13 Bengals at that point. I know I got the score right there. But, spoiler alert, that was the last points for the Bengals in the game, unfortunately for them. But like I was saying earlier, you saw how OBJ's injury really impacted the Rams. I mean, the Bengals' secondary didn't have to worry about anybody else. Van Jefferson didn't do very much. Ben Skoranek, nothing. Bryson Hopkins, who was playing for the injured tight end Kendall Blanton, who was playing for the injured tight end Tyler Higby. And Collinsworth, he was talking in the broadcast about how well the Bengals' edge rushers played. You had Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson in that third quarter. I mean, they were able to generate more pressure up front, didn't have to worry about too much behind them. You didn't have to drop guys back necessarily. You could just keep generating pressure. And the Rams weren't able to get anything going in the run game. So, I mean, the Bengals' defense was able to really tee off in that third quarter. The Rams, they they had that one, you know, razzle-dazzle Rams special attempt where Cup got the toss and tried to hit Stafford, overthrew him. Honestly, probably was a good thing that he missed Stafford because I think uh, I think it was Jesse Bates the third was just coming down on a line and would have potentially lit Stafford up. So maybe best that that didn't succeed for them. And on that drive, Matt Gay finishes it with a field goal at 6:02 left in the third quarter, 20 to 16 Bengals at that point in the game. But the Rams defense, man. That was where things started to click for them. They took over that game. Their offense was sputtering, but you had, you know, Donald. You had Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Ashawn Robinson even, former line. Ernest Jones, those guys just picked it up. Ernest Jones, he finished, uh, or sorry, the defense finished the second half with six sacks to finish the game with seven total. And it was the defense, really, that, I think turned the tide in that second half. You had that big play. There was 11:47 left in the fourth, so things you know just getting started. And you had Burrow who was sacked and kind of had the, uh, his knee rolled over on the sack. And you had the tackle Isaiah Prince, I believe he's the tackle, had the unnecessary roughness penalty on the same play. And the Rams didn't end up scoring on the ensuing drive but it just felt like in that moment even though the Bengals were still up it felt like things started to shift for the Rams at that point 
you know, you had Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, who I think are a great broadcast duo. I know some people don't love them. I think they're great. Michelle Tafoya as well, who is retiring from the NBC team. But those two guys, Michaels and Collinsworth, they started talking about how, you know, now's the time you got to start feeding Cooper Cup. That's a really bad Chris Collinsworth. I'm sorry. But they started to to pump that narrative right there. And, and uh, it didn't start immediately then, but that would be some foreshadowing for the end of the game, which we'll get to in a few moments. There was a, a big play in... Uh, Kind of t- middle of the fourth quarter, 624 left in the fourth quarter. It was a third and nine for the Bengals. And I, I didn't really think too much of the play the first time I watched it. I ended up watching the game again on Tuesday afternoon while my little guy was down for a nap. And uh, watching it, it's third and nine, 624 left in the fourth quarter. Burrow tries to hit Tyler Boyd on, looked like just a, a little slant route. And defense made a nice play. It might have been Ramsey, actually, on the play. I'd have to go back and double-check. But, you know, ball gets knocked down, but but a catchable ball. And uh, he he may not have got the first down on the play. I think he caught it, you know, with two or three yards before short of the first down. But, I mean, that would have put you fourth and, let's say, two with six, ten left in the game. And, I mean, would the Bengals have gone for it? They were up 20 to 16 at that point. They'd already gone for it earlier in the game. It makes you wonder. The crazy thing about that play was that was the first drop by Tyler Boyd of the season, which is wild to think about. But that drop set up the drive that began with six minutes left, the Stafford and Cup show. I, I don't know if that... Drive will get a name one day. We'll we'll have to. I mean, the drive's already been taken, but maybe it's you know, the my cup runneth over drive. Wow, I'm just full of horrible ideas in today's episode. But whatever that drive will one day become known as, it was incredible. I mean, you had the fourth down call to get Cup on that jet motion. He started motioning across, kind of hesitated, and then picked it up, met Stafford on the snap, picked up seven on that fourth and one. Then you had the unreal no-look pass where Stafford hit Cup on the skinny post route, three minutes left in the game. That The, the replays from facing Stafford on that play are just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Coming out of the two-minute warning, though, after shortly after that play, we had our first and only Clayton Kershaw spotting of the evening. I thought for sure he would have been shown like 900 times. And Michaels and Collinsworth would have talked about how Clayton Kershaw and Matt Matthew Stafford were buddies growing up. But just the one spi- sighting, as far as I know. But I mean, let's let's go through those last two minutes there. You know, first and goal from the 8, 155 left in the game. Honestly, Stafford probably could have hit Van Jefferson for a touchdown in the back of the end zone, just overthrew him. Kind of an uncharacteristic miss by Stafford in that moment. But I mean, might have been for the best. Like you score on that play, you leave Burrow with like a minute 50 and three timeouts left. 
I mean, obviously the defense was playing so well, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But at the very least, you you leave Burrow with less time to work with. It was at that point in the game where the refs finally showed up as well. I mean, they had called one or two penalties before then, but they started the flag parade at that moment, just throwing all of the dirty laundry all over the field. You had the third and goal, huge defensive holding penalty, which was a pretty suspect call on the uh, Bengals linebacker, blanking on his name right now. But yeah, don't don't love that call. You could make an argument. Maybe he got a hand on the back of Cup's jersey, but you definitely could argue that there was good reason for no call. On the next play, you had the offsetting unnecessary roughness, which uh, they called it a dead ball foul, which I didn't think it was dead ball, but whatever. Um, but that was on the Bengals, and then you had the holding on the Rams. And so you replay first down. Then you get the Eli Apple defensive pass interference uh, to set up first and goal on the one. Eli Apple had a bit of a tough game covering Cooper Cup, which most cornerbacks do have tough games covering Cooper Cup. You had a crazy voice crack by head official Ron Tolbert announcing that penalty. It was pretty, pretty, pretty rough. But all of that sets up that beautiful route and pass on Cup's second touchdown of the day. He just a gorgeous route, faked that he was taking his route inside and then sold it as if he was running to the fade to that back corner and then Stafford just perfectly throws it back shoulder. I mean, so tough to defend against that, but it that finished the 15-play, 72-yard drive and that was it. The Bengals did try to make things interesting on their final drive of the game. Kind of picked up some chunk yards uh, on a couple plays and then they had two plays to gain one yard to keep their drive, to keep their season alive, but they could not make it happen. Mixon wasn't even on the field at the end, which I thought was crazy. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot, but even still to not have your best guy on the fields at that moment in time. But again, it, it might not have mattered. You know, Aaron Donald and that D-line up front, oh man, they just had such a great game, especially that second half. On that last fourth down play where Donald got pressure and forced the incompletion, just a great demonstration of team defense. You had Leonard Floyd. He was lined up on the right edge outside of Donald, and he just guns it upfield, didn't allow Cincinnati's um, left tackle, Jonah Williams, to drop back and uh, wasn't able to give any help to Donald uh, on the inside and just opened up. Aaron Donald to get that pressure and cause Burrow to throw it incomplete. You also unreal play by David Long on that play. I retweeted a breakdown by a guy named Ted Wynn on YouTube. T-E-D, Ted, and then Wynn, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Man, go check this guy out on Twitter or on YouTube. I have loved his stuff for the last couple weeks. It's so good. But he breaks down how David Long makes a great play and just a, an instinctual defensive play to take away one of the passing options that Burrow was looking for. But it resulted in the end of the game, and the Rams finished the job. Super Bowl 56 champs. I thought it was fitting that it was a fourth-quarter comeback for Stafford. 
I'm not too proud to admit that I had a couple happy tears in his post-game interview. I had a lot of people mocking me for that, including my wife, who pointed out that I didn't cry on our wedding day, nor did I cry when our firstborn son entered the world. But I did cry when Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl, not even for my team. What does that say about me as an individual? I will let you determine that. But like I said at the beginning, I accurately predicted MVP Cooper Cup. I mean, on his own, he had five first downs converted on that first drive. And just a fitting ending for a stellar season. He wins the receiving triple crown for receivers, leading in catches, yards, and touchdowns, 178 receptions, 200, or sorry, 2,425 yards, 22 touchdowns. That accounted for 32% of the Rams' passing attempts going to him all season. Of course, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. You know how I love PFF. He was the highest graded receiver in PFF system in the regular season, 92.8. Just incredible yards after the catch, incredible at creating separation. An elite receiver paired with an elite quarterback who's seen everything in 13 years. That's a dangerous combination, man. Cup finished eight catches, 92 yards, the two touchdowns. Stafford, he went 26 of 40. 283 yards, obviously through the two interceptions, but or two touchdowns, I mean, and uh, the two interceptions. Sorry, three t- three touchdowns. I apologize. But the story of the game, outside of that incredible final drive, definitely the Rams' defense. You had Von Miller, six pressures, two sacks. Aaron Donald, eight pressures, two sacks. Seven total sacks by the Rams' defense. Man, get this, Burrow pressured 26 times on 43 dropbacks. He finished 22 of 33, 263 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. T. Higgins, man, he was great. Four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, rookie Jamar Chase, five receptions, 89 yards. But the Bengals just couldn't generate enough offense. I mean, 10 of 13 drives, they went for less than or 26 yards or under. And if you take away the 75-yard Higgins touchdown, which really, if it was called correctly on the field, wouldn't have counted. But if you take away that play and the 46-yard Jamar Chase catch, the Bengals only put up 184 yards of offense, which just is not enough. And you chalk that up to the Rams playing just so well on on defense. But regardless, what a season for Cincinnati. Just a a crazy turnaround from 2-14 and a couple years ago. I'm not ready to jump on the burrow is the next Brady train. I I put that notion soundly to bed in the previous pod. But, man, Cincinnati, you are in great hands with Joey Cool, Joe Burrow at the helm of that offense. I should give a special thoughts and prayers shout-out to a day-one listener, and I'll put him in friend-of-the-show category, Hunter. He's a diehard Bengals fan. He actually attended the Bengals game at Arrowhead a couple weeks ago. And he sent me a legit Andy Reid Chiefs souvenir cup. Uh, One thing you need to know about me, I have about uh, 63 or 64 souvenir cups that I've been collecting probably for the last 10 years or so. And uh, 
Hunter was kind enough to send one to me to add to the collection. Always wanting to add to that collection. So if you've got some souvenir cups just collecting dust around your house, let me know. I'll take them off your hands. But ultimately, only one team can be crowned champions of the world. Kind of weird that they do the world champions thing, but whatever. And I'm thrilled that Matthew Stafford is a Super Bowl champion. Not thrilled that owners get the trophy first in the Super Bowl. I think that's super lame. And I think Stan Kroenke is kind of a lame guy. Obviously, L.A. is like the center of the universe. But he did the city of St. Louis dirty. And he just seems like a weird guy. Maybe I'll try to get him on the show one day and find that he's a gentleman and a scholar. Who knows? But give it to the coaches. Give it to the players even more than coaches. But whatever. That's the hockey fan in me coming out. Stanley Cup, greatest trophy in sports. Don't at me. But lots of questions coming out of this game as we move into the offseason draft season i mean on the ram side is everybody in la retiring like we heard whitworth is probably going to retire or thinking of it aaron donald wants to maybe call it quits sean mcveigh even i'm going to be interested interested to see what they do with obj as a free agent does he want to stay does he want to go somewhere else do they have another run in them the rams does jalen ramsey's ski mask continue to be a thing that ski mask just drives me crazy. I don't know why, but it does. Then on the Bengals side, is this the beginning of the Bengals being a perennial contender? I mean, again, not the next Tom Brady, but Joe Burrow. He is the real deal, man. Obviously, the question is going to be how many offensive linemen do the Bengals just throw darts at in the draft in free agency in a trade who knows but you got to do something to protect joe burrow better i mean 70 sacks across the regular season and the playoffs that can't happen he's already had one major knee injury in his rookie year so how do they protect joe burrow what kind of resources do they invest in that process i'm excited to see jamar chase's growth as a receiver also i mean what does what he did this year in his rookie season, how does that translate to year two? Thanks again, Commissioner Tom of the prestigious Keepers League, giving me Jamar Chase. Sweet trade for me. Questions beyond the Rams and the Bengals, though. Just so many off-season narratives to consider. Obviously, hashtag draft season. I love draft season seeing all the different mock drafts and all the different leaks in the media that you get from teams saying, you know, yeah, we're definitely taking this guy, knowing that they're definitely not taking that guy. So that'll be fun to watch. What about Aaron Rodgers? Is he leaving Green Bay? And if he does, do we have a complete divisional dumpster fire? Four teams in rebuild mode? And of those four teams... Do the Lions emerge as a playoff team next year out of the NFC North? That is if Aaron Rodgers leaves? I don't know. We'll see. Am I crazy for thinking maybe? Maybe. Lots of other QB questions, though. You've got Russell Wilson. You know, Kyler Murray 
and his 13 year old maturity level Instagram stuff. Deshaun Watson, which is, you know, if, if the allegations are true, that's a totally different category of stupidity and immaturity and evil. But I mean, what happens with his legal issues? You know, you got other team quarterback situations to watch. Washington, New Orleans, Denver, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh. Just lots going on. What What's going to come of the, the Brian Flores discrimination lawsuit? Is that going to result in any change for black or minority coaches in the NFL? I hope so. It's something that needs to happen. But watching that, that lawsuit will be interesting to track throughout the offseason. I'm excited, too, for some non-football stuff. I mean, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but it's been heavy on the NFL, obviously, with NFL playoffs going on. But I'd love to branch out. I'd love to do some other sports. I'd, You know, March Madness, baseball, spring training coming up if this lockout ends soon. You've got NHL, NBA playoffs. They'll be here before you know it. Also, you know, non-sports topics would be pretty sweet. I want to hear from you. What, what's something that you'd love me doing a podcast episode about? And if you send a good idea and I like it, hey, I'll give it the old college try. But as always, thank you for listening. That will do it for our time today. Don't forget, you can share the podcast with others. I'm on Twitter at Stay At Home Thad. I'm on Instagram at Stay At Home Thad Show. I love it when you comment, when you share stuff. That always means so much to me. If you haven't yet, I'd love it if you subscribe to the show as well. I'm on Apple. I'm on Spotify. If you've never done so, would be awesome if you left a rating and a review. I got an email a couple days ago. Apparently, I'm the 12th ranked football podcast in Canada on Apple. So either I just got a spam email or that's a real stat either way thank you for listening maybe i can move up to 12th but it doesn't happen without you the listener so thanks a lot everybody hope you enjoyed this super bowl recap episode i will talk to you later peace Super quick commercial rankings from the Super Bowl. Might have missed some. Might have left some out that you really liked. And I just, they didn't do anything for me. But really quickly, we've got the NFL puppets. We've got Avocados from Mexico. Doritos beatboxing. The Lays, Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. The Hellmans, Gerard Mayo and Pete Davidson. Into it, quick books with DJ Khaled. GM, Austin Powers. E-Trade Baby. That one is just nostalgia. The Rocket Homes Barbie one, Nissan commercial with Eugene Levy, the FTX Larry David, Toyota Jones and Jonas, Bud Light Seltzer Guy, Fieri, Michelob Ultra Bowling, Intuit TurboTax, the Taco Bell, and BMW with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Penelope Cruz. Definitive Super Bowl commercial rankings.